There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome again to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's just brilliant to be back again. It's Friday, and I'm just really excited to have the conversation that we're going to have today uh, with uh, my good friends Gene Early and Stephen Morris. Uh, we're going to be talking about elevating leadership again, and it's the part two because we had a conversation before. If you've not um, listened to part one, don't worry. Um, you can still listen to this. We'll do a little recap as well. Um, but also, you know, thank you for uh, the, the first show uh, and the feedback. It's uh, It was really, you know, fascinating uh, opportunity for for us to have a think about you know where where can we take leadership what's the the model to take uh, leadership even further in this uh, world today which uh, is ever changing and um, and probably need at a time to, you know to add more humanity to the way that we we lead and think and uh, more awareness to the the choices and the decisions that we make so I would also like to say a huge thank you to my guest last week I interviewed Dean Jackson who was the founder of uh, Hoob um, HWB um, Hoob is uh, an amazing company that make uh, real leading edge uh, triathlon uh, wetsuits and open water swimming wetsuits um, they sort of now got their own kind of uh, cycling race team and things like that and uh, and they t- within five years um, Dean was able to secure 30% of the UK market and now their their wetsuits are sold in well over 20 countries and kind of growing uh, and uh, they, you know what he's done is he's taken from um, combining um, Professor Hoob who's an expert in the technology around wetsuits with um, with a, a playfulness, uh, an, an inventiveness um, from taken actually from his interest in superheroes and Star Wars and all these sort of things. He's created suits that uh, leave people feeling like superheroes when they're wearing them. And uh, there was lots of insight as well around sort of Dean's principles about life and about business and uh, you know, how to do, uh, to do well and build a, a business that you're kind of proud of while making a positive contribution. So if you're interested in that, do go back. I had a comment this morning. I met somebody at the swimming pool who actually – I know um, know only reasonably well, and uh, he just said I listened to that interview that you did last week, and it was it was brilliant. So uh, thank you for that that feedback. And so uh, Dean was brilliant. So let's um, talk today about elevating leadership again. We're going to sort of turn the tables a little bit on myself, and again I've invited Stephen Morris to host the show today. Uh, Stephen's uh, an artist, a writer, he's an entrepreneur. He's got many years, over 27 years um, of experience. He's a thriving, has a thriving painting practice. He's a brilliant artist. Uh, and I think, um, you know, he's built a, an amazing company and a degree and, um, and, and does all sorts of sort of brand and, and loyalty ki- kind of work. Uh, he's based over in San Diego and he's the speaker, speaks on the, the conference circuit. But I think what I hope you take with my you know, my inviting Stephen now quite regularly actually onto the show is I think Stephen engenders many of the principles we're going to talk about today. And I think one of those is is real 
humility and wisdom and and i really appreciate him for that so i'd like to introduce you to steve to kind of handle the interviewing again uh, as uh, gene and i have been kind of working on this um together uh, in particular uh, so i'm gonna hand over to uh, stephen morris Chris, thank you so much. Uh, I really uh, uh, deeply appreciate the opportunity to uh, to lead this conversation and to delve in yet again with both you and with Gene uh, to our part two of uh, elevating leadership. And we're going to get into the model a little bit here today. Um, we had a great conversation last time, and I know we had a, a prep conversation earlier this week where we covered lots of ground. And for those listening, uh, we're going to get into the model here today and delve into uh, hopefully very deeply the five principles and talk about how they come to life. Uh, but before we get into that, Chris, I want to just do a little introduction for both Chris and Gene so you guys uh, uh, in the listening audience know who these folks are. Most of you know uh, Chris Cooper is their ever insightful host of the Business Elevation Show, uh, which he's hosted since 2011. That's a lot of years, Chris. And he's built up a, a massive audience that spans across 50 different countries. And I know in uh, looking at some of the listenership, uh, there's a lot of people that listen to the show and a lot of people that get great value from it. And he's also a 25 years experience of a multifunctional business uh, work that he does with global brands and boards and sort of everything in between. And Chris and his team today elevate business performance and engagement for leaders and teams through his advisory services. Um, and then the last thing is Chris is the author of Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not. It's a lovely book. I highly recommend it. And then our next guest is uh, Gene Early, who uh, is probably also familiar to most of you out there who, uh, whether or not you've listened to the previous show, but you might know Gene through his work uh, as an entrepreneurially oriented leader committed to developing talent, establishing culture as a strategic driver and building great organizations, which he's done globally for uh, quite a long time. His past experience has varied from co-founding Genomic Health in Silicon Valley and co-founding the first NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, easily uh, said for some people, not so much for myself. Uh, and he's established that uh, training institute in Europe, as well as, uh, I think, six different uh, organizations throughout Europe. And he has a PhD in leadership and organizational development and has published books and ebooks and articles that have been translated globally. And currently, uh, Gene is based in the US and he is a partner in what's called Leaders Quest, and that's leadersquest.org uh, as well. And Gene works internationally with startups, uh, corporations, and companies uh, that are working in transition. So, welcome, gentlemen, to the show. And um, and Chris, I want to I want to hand it over to you first, and have us uh, have you, if you could, just give a little bit of overlay into uh, what this model is all about, which is called elevating leadership. And in our last conversation. We covered a lot of ground that talked about the history and the founding and, and how you and Gene came together to begin to think about this model. Uh, but for those who might not have caught that show, I would love for you to give just a, a high-level perspective on, on what the model is all about and briefly recap it. Absolutely, yeah. Thank, thank you for that, that great introduction. I uh, really appreciate that. And I, I think, um, 
yeah, the, the first sort of step in this model is know yourself. And one of the things I just realized when, with you reading that out, is I was asked to give my bio out only yesterday. And uh, I decided to count out up how many years I have been working, and I found out it was actually 30. So um, I don't, obviously don't know myself as well as I, as I should do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> show how the years go. And I think, I think this is why, you know, one of the reasons I think this, this model and this work that we've been doing with Gene is just so important is, is that the years do go by and they go by, can go by quite quickly, even from if you're very young into, into the workplace uh, right now or you know, maybe even you're still, still studying. Um, but the years go very quickly. And I think uh, in this environment that's ever changing in this world, it's important to, uh, to be able to think about how do I just become uh, through this world you know, a, a, an amazing leader, a leader within, within the workplace, uh, within our families, within our communities and environments, such that actually when we leave this world, uh, we've made a, a really, really positive contribution. And Gene and I were having this conversation and uh, explained you know, in the last show you know, some of the background of where that came from. And we came through, through our, our, our conversations and we, we found ourselves kind of drawn together to talk about this. We identified kind of five focus areas around elevating leadership that we felt were important. And we could, um, under those kind of points, which um, became a star, we could... Um, we could uh, identify some of the kind of considerations, the things that you've got to think about within the, each of those categories and, uh, and maybe support people through on that journey. And the first one is know yourself. And knowing yourself is really about the fact that leadership, it's um, uh, and, and even management, you know, management too. And not, uh, we're not seeing anybody out here, um, but it's, it's an inside job. You know, we have to, as human beings, it's important to take the time to know ourselves, our purpose, our vision, our values, our foundations, what's important to us, where are we heading, and to take the time to tease all of this out such that we we, we do the, the right we move in the right direction and do and be and we be the right person that we want to be to, to gain the results that we want to want to have an impact on this world. And I think the the second um, element and you don't necessarily work in these in order, by the way. There's, there's, um, you know, you get at times you're gonna have to work at, on several of these at the same time, um, and and deepen your understanding of them and insight of them. The second one we think in terms of great leaderships that we respect is having an intense humility, you know, having being somebody who um, is, uh, you know, is grounded and calm and, and modest and and kind of kind of humble, uh, and prepared to really be themselves. Um, I think is important. You meet those people, they feel quite special. Um, and I think that way you can have a bigger impact on people as a leader if they really respect you. And then the third one is about a, a depth of win- wisdom, um, being um, being able to be wise such that you can really, um, through your knowledge uh, and your desire for learning, um, they can help you to make better judgments um, and and. We'll talk about some of the maybe little mantras and things that we can learn and the wise people um, often utilize to, to, to help them with their days and their, and their behavior. But also I think we, we think um, step point four is about being a bold seeker of truth. There's a lot of things going on in this world that actually um, mask the truth 
you know, people are pointing at um, their teams and thinking, actually, it's sales fault, or it's this person's fault, or it's this person's fault, but actually without looking in the mirror themselves and, and being prepared to really look at the, the, the truth of the problem, even if it hurts them or not. And then uh, I think the fifth point is about being decisive in action. When she, once you've asked all the right questions, because you've got those kinds of skills and you've um, really understood a situation, you can move forward and, and act um, with in a you know in an approach that is about walking, and it's not you're not wobbling. You'll be able to walk through and keep moving at pace to take things forward. So that's the elevating leadership model. Um, hopefully, fairly simply. Explain. Beautiful, beautiful, Chris. And, you know, uh, I, I love how you articulated that, um, you know, you have these five key principles within the model, but they don't necessarily have to act as linear steps in, uh, in their living or in their working or in their application. And being a, a visual spatial learner myself, I find it very helpful to envision this beautiful five-pointed star, if you will, and how all these five attributes sort of align within that. And it also seems like they, they begin to feed off of one another. And so, again, what I want to do today uh, for our show is, is drill into each of these five different attributes. And uh, for those out there listening, you can envision this five-pointed star. And at the very top of that star is our first key principle. And, Gene, I would love to uh, invite you into the, the fireside conversation here, if you will, and drill into what the first uh, element here, which is called know yourself. Would you mind talking about that? Yeah, sure. I really like what you said, Steve, about uh, how the star, you know, the way that we are uh, visualizing it, how these things all work together. And, and particularly in terms of knowing yourself, one of the quotes that I reference for myself is, is one from Aristotle, which is he's quite ancient, but I think it's universal in truth that knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And it's just a way of saying that that right at the core of great leadership is is knowing yourself. And one of the ways that I think about the, the characteristics of that is uh, distinguishing between what I would call my true self and my constructed self. The constructed self is is what we decide given our life experience and the, the ways in which we create um, our idea of what is real or true. And then the true self is is actually much more the essence of who we are. And as we start to kind of remove some of the layers of, of uh, uh, that we put on top of things out of our life experience, whatever, and, and become authentic, we realize that there, there's really a clear distinction between that. And along with that is that is aligning our self-perception with reality. And that's the, the self-perception is, is being able to actually see and hear and feel what's going on without uh, distortions in the, the filters we use. And a third one is really recognizing the consequences of our thoughts and actions actually before they occur. Um, and part of that is just knowing, you know, what am I capable of? Uh, what am I good at? What I'm not so good at? How do I need others to support me? Because we recognize that no one of us can do anything of great substance by ourselves. We, we need to collaborate in order to do that. And then finally, really realizing what I don't know, I don't know, which is the doorway to growth and to openness and to um, receptivity and transformation. So those are, those are characteristics for me that are really important. Um, and I think that uh, another thought that is, is prevalent in many great writers and, and thinkers is that uh, we really only change the world by changing ourselves. And 
I, it, it reminds me of I was uh, when I was in college. I was doing a um, I was a assistant on a travel study tour, and uh, we, I remember we were going up Mount Olympus in uh, in Greece, and I was sitting next to one of the participants, and we were just talking. Somehow we got into the conversation, and I, I happened to say to her something that I really believed at the time, which was I've never failed. And the look on her face of shock just totally grabbed me. And I, I, I kind of went, well, I need to find out what this is all about. And it was, it was a confrontation with reality um, that I had organized my self-constructed self uh, to believe that I didn't fail. And one of the ways was I avoided failure if, at all costs. And if I did fail, I didn't represent it as failure. I just kind of ignored it or went on and continued to try to, to achieve good things. But, but clearly I was limiting myself and her feedback to me was profound in that it, it has shaped me ever since. And as many of us have learned, our, our greatest learnings really do come from our failures as we have the, the courage and the honesty and the humility to be able to look at them. And so recognizing that, that the balance of success and failure is really an important one for us as we think about who we truly are. Mm, beautifully said. Thank you so much. And uh, we, we've got about a minute here before we head into the commercial break. And uh, I, uh, when we come back on the other side, Chris, I want to ask you to drill into this particular topic. You know, a couple of things that I'm hearing here, Gene, is that this ability to know yourself uh, and, and what you're talking about sounds like the, the true and authentic self, not just the personified self or in the leadership world the the version of the self that the company wants you to be. And it sounds like there's a, a, a great distinction between those two things. So, uh, you know, I know, Chris, you're going to have a lot of thoughts around this as well and some of the conversations that we had about uh, authentic leadership. Uh, we'll come back after our commercial break and uh, pick that up when, when we get back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Well, welcome back, everybody. And before we uh, did our little commercial break, uh, we were talking about the the first principle in uh, elevating leadership. And uh, I'd like to uh, involve Chris into his perspective on uh, this part of the conversation. And we're talking about the element of know yourself. Chris, would you mind uh, delving into that from your perspective? Yeah, sure. I I think there are so many components to this, uh, potentially. Gene Gene talked about some of those elements, I think, um, in terms of knowing yourself as well, I think you have to take a you know holistic view around things like knowing your energy. Um, also, you know, are you being true to yourself in terms of your your kind of health and self care and your new, and sort of nutrition, those sorts of aspects, and being being kind of honest with yourself and being prepared to as as I identified, you know, look in the mirror. But I, I think some of the you know important considerations in here around kind of purpose and vision and values is, is interesting in your children i've got two young boys nine and 13 and all they both wanted to be was footballers because their friends wanted to be footballers was uh, was the kind of reason but actually getting as they get a little bit older they're starting to see their natural talents and you know maybe you know triathlon or basketball or something like that might might suit them even even better and i suppose the question is you know do you go along with the flow or do you um, identify your own kind of talents and strengths and, and go with those where you're more likely to be successful. And I see that replicated, you know, um, through business. I, I was working with somebody who was probably in their, you know, the later part of their, their career and they, they were absolutely desperate to become the, the head of a division. And, and and the company, though, didn't want them in that role because they didn't see it being them being natural a natural fit for it. So I worked with them, did some profiling with them, and we could see that this person had no energy around strategy, which was about 40, 50% of this job. Um, but what he loved was um, building relationships and you know, existing clients just loved him and respected him, which is why the company didn't want him to leave. And um, as a consequence, we were able to design a job for him. That way he was absolutely in his flow and the company accepted it. So it was as senior as the other role, um, but he was doing something that he, you know, was more about who he was and, and, and his um, his personal kind of strengths and abilities but um yeah it's it, knowing yourself is um is, is important fuel and we have to keep on mining and working and understanding such that we can become the best version of ourselves yeah i, I find it very interesting too that you know a part of knowing yourself it also seems like it's an attribute of knowing how you show up into the world and what your relationship to the world is. And so uh, as we live our lives and we go through not just our work, but our personal lives, um, the relationships that we're in and the experiences that we have end up being uh, or acting like sort of a mirror for who we are and how we show up because how other people respond to uh, either our our behaviors or our energy or our conversations or even our skill sets 
it, it does begin to help us understand who we actually are. So I want to move on in this particular model and uh, keep, uh, keep the microphone pointed at Chris here. And the second attribute, again, if we, if we think of that, this is a, is a five-pointed star from an infographic standpoint, and we're moving from the very top of that star to uh, clockwise to the next point on that star. Uh, this is called intense humility. And to me, this, this particular idea feels a little bit paradoxical, especially in the leadership world. But I wonder, Chris, if you wouldn't mind talking about that. Sure. I think isn't, isn't humility just infectious? You know, when you meet people who are just so deeply connected with who they are and uh, and we didn't plan this, but I'm going to, you know, say, to, you know, to Steve and to Gene, if you listen to them and you listen to their their language and their sincerity and their sort of compassion and calmness, you know, this is why we're doing this 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 work together because I think these guys really engender that, um, you know, that 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 humility. You'll hear you know, there's no space for arrogance or high ego. Okay, we've read some great bios out today, but actually. Um, the, the, the truth is that um, if you met Steve or you met Gene, uh, you would get Steve and you get Gene. And I think, you know, people who are, have this um, humility, they, they're centered, you know, they're grounded, they come off, they're caring, they care about um, the kind of relationships and people will hang off every word they have to say and, and trust them because of their sincerity. So I would, um, I think this is very important. It's it, it it shows up in the way you kind of your vibration, your warmth, um, your you know principles like kindness and trust and the ability to be kind of calm and and centered. Um, so yeah, and, and and be vulnerable. So yeah, lots to think about when it comes to humility. Who we're being. Yeah, uh, Brene Brown has a lot to say about this particular mindset and uh, its relationship to courage, leadership, and vulnerability. And you know, one of the things that uh, she just uh, is so articulate about is is that, that there can be no act, true act of courage, without uh, a sense of vulnerability. And you know, this this idea of humility seems to play into that. And you know, Gene, from your perspective, I would love to hear how you would unfold uh, the idea of the intense humility and, and maybe even how it works in, in your world or, or some experiences. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think as we're talking about it, I think that, that to have humility really is to experience reality. And one of the ways in which I personally define it is a willingness to be known for who you are, which getting back to what I said a bit earlier, is making that distinction between your true, your true self and your constructed self or that the persona that you uh, might develop in order to kind of navigate through the world. Um, and so I would, you know, one, one example for me is, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, I, I co-founded uh, genomic health, which was a life sciences startup in Silicon Valley. And, and um, our CEO was the, the visionary founder. There were five of us co-founders, but he was really the visionary of it all. And he had a really clear vision. And I, part of my role was um, helping the executive team to to function well together in a collaborative fashion. And and there was one occasion very early on where our chief medical officer uh, had some very intense conversations with me saying, you know, I just don't think this vision is going to work. And he he was very well experienced and and brought significant gravitas to the to the company. And so we had we had this meeting with the CEO and and uh, 
it was it was pretty tense. But what what really struck me was that that the CEO listened deeply, and in the end agreed that um, that he was willing to change the direction of the vision uh, in line with what the chief medical officer was saying. And the consequence of it was that. Um, we had a, we have had a extremely successful IPO and and the company's really impacted the lives and and health of millions of people as a result. And my takeaway from that is that it really takes humility to not have to be right, but rather to listen for the good of the whole and and really the, to honor the voice of another who who might bring something that's contradictory to what you're thinking, but that in the end is what needs to be listened to. What a courageous act for that CEO to to listen to the team and and you know I, I, having led a lot of organizations uh, through not just visioning processes but a lot of business strategy, uh, you don't often see that in uh, in a in what we might call a challenge situation like that where uh, the big vision of the organization is being challenged and 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 what completely redefine the direction. Uh, uh, the oriented horizon, and so you know, it, it reminds me that, um, and I hope I get this right, that the the root entomology of humility is uh, comes from the the Latin word. Um, hum- well, there's a version of humble that's out there that that uh, has to do with groundedness, and so being sort of of or from the earth, and so the way that you've both articulated this intense humility is that it's it has to do with both a, a humbleness, but also a deep awareness of uh, the current situations and the reality of, of the things around us. And, you know, uh, on the contrary, and this is part of why I, I, I suggest that it might be a little bit of a paradox, is that in the leadership world, we're expected to have the answers as opposed to having uh, the openness to listen to uh, the more powerful questions. And, uh, you know, when we, when we drift into the realm of hubris, which is, you know, the, uh, the, the utter conviction that we're right at all costs, uh, but with that, as we all know, uh, people are fraught with deep blind spots that uh, end up being uh, the definition of their demise. Um, so this, this power of intense humility and I love how you've coined it as intense humility, not just basic humility or some other version of it. Um, and so as we move around now into the third point uh, or what we call the third principle of elevating leadership, the model, um, it, which, this is called depth of wisdom. And so I would love for uh, Gene, if you wouldn't mind continuing your conversation here or your part of the conversation here and talk about what you mean or what you and Chris both mean by depth of wisdom and how that applies. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, when I think about the depth of wisdom, I, you know, I think about wisdom really requires um, life experience and knowledge and discernment, um, which is kind of foundational to it. But then it needs to be manifested in humility and the influence of leadership, because as leaders, we do bring influence. And as a consequence of that, producing what I would call good and just judgments, because when you when I experience people of true wisdom, I recognize that that the judgment they make um, is is often profound because they're able to, in very simple ways, cut through all the noise. 
And the consequence of that is that it, it works for the good of the whole. I think this orientation to not just self-interest, so much of which we see today, but rather an interest in the good of the whole, which sometimes actually operates against our own self-interest, um, is, a, is, a is a mark of a mature person who is, is leading with wisdom. And finally, the, the point that, that when I see wisdom in operation, it produces trust. Um, and that's trust in the decisions that are made. It's trust in the decision maker themselves. And it's trust in the system within which the decisions are made. And, and we know that once that trust gets built up, there's, a, there's really a profound um, uh, energy that gets released in the entire system. And, you know, I, th I think about, you know, we like to think about personal examples. I think about being a parent. And, you know, how do you bring your wisdom, the wisdom that you have access to anyway, into parenting? And I, I remember when, when our son Christian was 12 years old and in the sixth grade, he was asking for permission to do something. And I forget exactly what the content was. What, what I do remember is that I knew he was too young uh, to be doing what he was asking to be doing. Um, and I knew I needed to give a reason for saying no and uh, an acknowledgement of when he'd get a yes. And then finally, uh, what I did was I said to him, you know, that's for an eighth grader. When you become an eighth grader, you'll be able to do that. And that, as it turned out, that was another reference for me, just, you know, a format or a, a way of thinking that enabled him to, to accept a no. Um, and all of that is only coming out of very painful, uh, hard-earned uh, life experience of my own of what had worked for me after what hadn't worked. Um, and so, you know, what I think is that if, if we really treat people in that way of honoring who they are and paying attention to what is best for them, even if they in the moment may not expect it, that that, that is a form of this depth of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it raises the point again that uh, the idea of leadership, while we tend to think about that in the work environment, uh, you know, uh, the, the concept of knowing yourself and applying a depth of wisdom to that uh, certainly doesn't stop at the doors of whatever your office that you're reporting to or going into. Uh, and in, in fact, you could even argue that there is a attribute that starts first with personal leadership uh, and, then on, uh, and then applies ultimately into the vocational world. You know, Chris, from your perspective, you know, building on what Gene was talking about, uh, this idea of depth of wisdom, what might you add to it? Yeah, I, th I think, I think as you, you know, building on from that conversation about um, you know, knowing yourself, that clearly is um, you know, kind of internal understanding and wisdom i also think uh, by you know looking out to the outside world for you know ideas for um, areas and concepts and mantras that help you you develop is important so being a kind of leading learner you know we've had some good examples you know uh, gene quoted aristotle uh, earlier and we've mentioned, um, you know, sort of Brené Brown. I, I was, you know, a, a, a little a point that really got me thinking was uh, when I interviewed Marshall Thurber, and he talked to me about the most important component of success was being more interested than trying to be interesting. Um, you uh, mentioned uh, when we were planning this interview, Steve, ar around um, you know, a, a, an idea which. Um, which was, you know, you're responsible for the energy that you bring into this room. Um, these kind of mantras uh, can be very helpful, I think, to 
to um, sort of build upon wisdom, but also um, share inspiration that help others. And I think you know some of this wisdom manifests itself too in the ability to tell stories and um, and be able to connect and, and develop this deep connection with 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 others by being um, smart and being emotionally intelligent. Um, but being able to communicate in, in in a smart way that brings people into you know into this world that you might be venturing into um, you know a particular particular activity or project or um, or, um, or or change requirement whether it be improving sales or improving marketing or improving personal performance but being able to bring examples being able to bring quotes uh, and stories that can um, help bring it alive for somebody in the way they want it to be brought alive. Yeah, that's really interesting. We have a few more minutes before the commercial break, and I want to sort of build on what you were just talking about here, Chris, and then uh, leverage us into the, the next uh, idea or next principle, uh, which is called Bold Seeker of Truth. And, you know, we've talked a few times. I, I think I lost count. It might be four times already we've referenced the idea of energy. And uh, even the quote that Oprah has, um, it's a sign that she has, as I understand it, hanging outside her office wall, which says, you are responsible for the energy that you bring into this room. And uh, Chris, as you were referencing uh, that particular quote, uh, and I'm not sure where it comes from, uh, if, if Oprah invented it or not, but it is uh, it can act as sort of a mantra for how we show up into the world. And But it also feels to me like it's this concept uh, with this truth-telling or and the seeking of truth. Would you mind just kicking us off here for the next minute, and then we're going to go into commercial break to talk about Bold Seeker of Truth. Uh, me, Steve? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Just give one little example for people to think about. There was, you know, it's the 16-year-old Greta Lundberg who, who's very concerned about sustainability and, and the planet, highlighted in the U.K., uh, only about three or four weeks ago, um, created a movement which um, has led to school children leaving um, school on a Friday and and marching through London, etc. But she was able to highlight what a, a truth that uh, politicians and business people were ignoring. And that truth was that you're just not listening to the scientists. You're not listening to the people that really know you're too busy doing business and doing politics and uh, the world is, is um, being impacted negatively as a consequence. And I think that's just an example of, um, you know, a bold seek of truth. It took a, a 16 year old truth teller to, to wise, um, much older and uh, uh, potentially more, much more experienced people to realize that actually they were missing Chris, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and stop you right there and ask you to pick that story up on the other side of the commercial break. We're going to head in the commercial break here and uh, uh, catch us on the flip side. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Well, there's nothing like a commercial break to, to stop someone three quarters of the way through a story here. Um, but Chris, before the, the quick commercial break that we just had, uh, you were telling a story and we're uh, just to remind everybody we're, we're in the principle of bold seeker of truth within our, um, within our, our, our star fashion. Uh, Chris, would you mind uh, picking up where you left off uh, right before the break? Sure. I just gave an example there of, you know, one exact one, one truth uh, that somebody got to the core of. And I think if we look through history, there have been so many of those, you know, uh, people were given cigarettes to smoke during the Second World War to calm their nerves. And, uh, and people just didn't understand the, you know, the health problems. I think the tobacco companies started to understand them before others. Um, but it took a, a while for that truth to be seen in, in hospitals, um, you know, medical people working 100 hour weeks. And that was seen at one stage in the culture to be acceptable. Um, but the truth of it is it is not acceptable and it's actually dangerous. And there are so many examples. And I think what we do, we often smooth over within within cultures and ways of doing things, behaviors that may not be appropriate. And you know, the, the um, way um, the, um, this whole issue uh, around, you know, the treatment of women in, in movies and things like that um, by uh, some of the um, producers of those movies and the movement that that has impacted. Um, and I think we have to look, be prepared to look into businesses and say, actually, where is the problem? Does the problem, is the problem really that sales are not um, performing? Or is it actually that us as a board aren't performing? We aren't explaining how to do it or, or motivating or engaging or inspiring. We need to look in the mirror. So I think, um, you know, being a bold seeker of truth is about, um, it's not about what's true for me. It's, it's about what, you know, what's true for us or tr- true for us. It's about the absolute truth and getting to that core. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, we live in this age of, um, in the business world, uh, because of all the technology that we have, uh, the age of big data. And uh, even the way the news cycle's been happening these days, uh, the idea behind facts and what's a true fact and what's a not a true fact. Uh, uh, and and the, dis- the 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 there's a separation. There's a clear separation between what a fact is and what the truth is. And as this bull, as we continue on this line of thinking, Gene, I want to bring you into the fold here and have you talk about your perspective on the bold seeker of truth and what that actually means to you and how it might even apply. Yeah. So one of the things I, I think about when I think about being a bold seeker of truth is that truth is what stands the test of time. 
And to me, I think having that time frame as, as part of, because things can appear to be true, but then as Chris was talking about, as you look at it over time, you realize, wait a second, smoking cigarettes is actually harmful to your health, um, that kind of thing. So that whole idea that, that truth will sustain itself through time. Um, and there are a couple of things that come to mind about that. I, when I was at Genomic Health, I was uh, responsible for hiring. And um, one of the things, and as it turns out, firing. And one of the things that, that was a real clear. <laughs> Talking about the truth, right? Yeah. yeah thank you. There, <laughs> was that when we recognized, when I recognized typically was, was kind of the front line on that. When I recognized someone was not performing and we did performance improvement plans and stuff like that. You know, my conviction was let's let's nip it in the bud, because when we didn't, and some from previous experiences before genomic health, I had I had learned the hard lesson that that not addressing the dysfunction of performance early on just led to greater and greater dysfunction. Um, and so, even though it's painful to have that conversation and to end up having to fire someone even after a performance improvement plan, it, telling the truth actually is good for the whole. And um, so that's, a, that's kind of in a business context. In a, in a social context, I'm just deeply moved uh, by the whole idea of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in um, South Africa, which was which really catalyzed. There have been over a 1,000 uh, international Truth and Reconciliation Commissions as a result of that concept. And that was restorative justice rather than retributional justice. And I, you know, my takeaway from that is that that there were opportunities given to um, perpetrators of violence um, to receive amnesty, but they had to be truthful about it was, and they had to face their victims. And on the flip side of that, the victims had to be able to speak their truth to the perpetrators. And that, you know, there's no human process that's absolutely perfect. And so, I mean, the takeaway is that, you know, seeking truth in the community is really honorable and transformative, but uh, what's perceived to be true by different individuals can vary. And so let's pursue truth, but within that time frame and, and trust that is, as long as we're in pursuit of it, hopefully we will discover um, deeper truths that will allow us to be successful. Oh, that's really, really great. And, you know, it's interesting as you think about, and even, Gene, the way that you articulated it, which is not just the seeking of truth, but the speaking of truth. Right. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think we as human beings don't have any true defenses for. When we hear something that feels true, uh, there's an energetic response that we've had to it, uh, that we have, that we can have to it. Um, and then inviting and sometimes even uh, in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's kind of forcing some of these folks who have been involved in uh, these world issues uh, to actually speak the truth so that light can be shown on it. And I think there, when, when the light is shown on those things, um, we, all, we can all as human beings look, look at those things and be uh, kind of awakened by them and yeah. understand what to do from an action standpoint. Absolutely. So, just a word, Steve. We, we, yeah, uh, I do been using um, a tool. There's a little uh, banner ad on the show 
to something called engagement multiplier been using a, a tool within organizations to understand the truth about how engaged people are feeling and it requires a, a leader to be brave because they might get feedback from their staff that they don't like um, and sometimes this, this feedback comes back and it's um, to the leaders it's quite it's a bit shocking but when they calm down they realize they actually know now the problems and what people are saying behind their back and then by taking action upon this and recognizing it and not being an elephant anymore um, then it's an amazing feeling of elation that starts to happen uh, and uh, an engagement that starts to build as people see positive action being taken to alleviate those um, those issues. So it takes braveness to seek the truth sometimes and braveness to maybe admit you're wrong or, or it can impact your ego. But when you do know the truth and it's out in the open there, uh, then and things can move forward and, and, and performance can accelerate away. Yeah, it's great. And as the saying goes, the truth shall set you free. And uh, uh, I think that that's one of those mantras that we can all walk around with the world, uh, knowing that there's truth behind that particular statement. So, gentlemen, we've traveled we've traveled a road right now for four of the key principles. Just recapping on them: know yourself uh, is the first principle. Intense humility is the second principle. The third principle being depth of wisdom. And then we just talked about bold seeker of truth and. Gene, I'd like us to uh, have you continue with our fifth and final principle, which is called uh, decisive in action, and talk about what we mean by that. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the ways I think about decisive in action is that that uh, being informed and not impulsive and committed to a direction uh, with, with the kind of outcomes that are associated with that. And inevitably, we face barriers. So the, the willingness to, to um, overcome those ba- those barriers, no matter uh, what they are. I mean, if you if what one of the ways I talk about that is having a hundred percent commitment to your outcome. And once you're totally committed at that level, then the barriers just become problems to be solved. And you may not solve them the first time or second time, but but they're not going to stand in your way. You'll find a way around them. And then one of the things I love is is uh, Chris talks about walk, not wobble. You know, it's like when, when you know where you're going, when you got a clear idea about what the outcome or the goal is, you can be confident in that direction and, and not be detoured by potential distractions. And, you know, I think about I, I, I'm a basketball player and have loved sports. And I think about Michael Jordan when when uh, he he won three championships with uh, the Chicago Bulls and the, the National Basketball Association. And then his father was killed, and, and he just had to take time out. And so he, he did, and he went and played minor league baseball for two years. But he came back, and he came back, and he won three more championships with the team. And that, to me, is like incredible you know, decisiveness. Uh, another kind of parallel example is Tiger Woods. He's just won you know, his, the Masters after, I think it's 14 years without winning a major and with major personal trauma and, and back injuries and all kinds of physical problems and obviously psychological and social problems. But he came back and he won. And uh, that characterizes his whole career is that this kind of decisive about what he's focused on. And there are many other examples that we could we could draw on like that, but uh, particularly like sports because it's you know it's constrained in a way just like businesses. And I think as a particularly as a, a leader in the business that you have to be you have to be willing to be firm and clear and committed uh, once you decide to take action. But you need to be informed um, before you do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great. And then, Chris, I wonder what your perspective would be on uh, this this element uh, that we call decisive inaction. I mean, I, I love um, yeah the some of the things that Gene was just talking about there, and he mentioned you know Tiger Woods as an example, and it's probably true with a lot of. You know, young people who have success at an early age, maybe they've been very focused on sport, for example, uh, to maybe have not gone through, you know, to gone through this kind of a journey before and, and to really the first step would be know themselves. Uh, and uh, without going into that deep interplection and knowing one's flaws and behaviors and deciding what you really do want, there's a risk at the, you know, through the journey, through a, a process like this, that actually the actions that you take may not be actions that serve you. So, um, you know, what we're really talking about here is a, is this, this model, which um, ultimately from working through it, we get to better actions uh, that we, we move forward. And of course, as being a leader, we're expected to take action and move things forward. So the way we take that action uh, then becomes important the way that we maybe engage others on that um, on that journey once we know you know the truth and what is right to to move forward with and so some of those skills start to come in you know like effective change management and and being able to uh, move towards a goal and overcome obstacles but uh, do it in such a way that you walk and not wobble yeah, so you know, as, as I think about the listeners who have tuned into both this show and then the previous show, and we think about this elevating leadership model, I wonder, and I'll, and I'll ask Gene to respond to this first, and then Chris, you know, what, what is, and it might be even a premature question, but what is the plan that you gentlemen have to do with this model? And, and is there a way that we could share it out to the world? Gene, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I'm very excited about the model. Chris and I have been talking about this for a while. In our last kind of in-depth conversation, we, we went into real um, much more tactical details about how do you create the experience um, that makes these five components and the depth that they bring uh, real and active in a, in a leader's life. And so one of the things that we're talking about is is actually taking each of the, the five components of the whole and unpacking them, uh, making them available. And one of the things we're thinking about, we, we're, we're going to start with writing our, you know, an article that's, that's going to come out uh, in July, I believe. Um, but uh, we're going to do some writing. We're going to develop uh, modules with regard to the five components. Um, who knows where it goes from there? It's, it's kind of a work in progress. But we definitely are going to make it available in a much, in a much uh, more um, digestible form. Um, than simply uh, where we've gotten to at the moment. Great. And then, Chris, we've got two minutes left here. I wonder what your perspective would be about uh, next steps for this model and how the world can share it. And if you want to bring us on home, I invite you to do that. Well, fine. Thank, well, thank you. I think um, for me, we're going to, you know, we, we want to help people to make a, a real positive ripple uh, in, the, in the universe with their leadership. And, and I think it's, it's right right now that we think about leadership in a, a slightly different way and we start to really tell the truth about it. So I think Gene and I, are, are it's an evolving conversation, but we're very excited as to where this may go and we'd love to be able to help uh, many, many people uh, through this journey as I don't think it's something that's actually easy to do just on your own. Uh, you can take a model, but actually you, you, you know, having some guidance and support to do it's important. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of bring this uh, interview really to a, to a close now because um, I've, um, I'm so grateful to both Steve and Jean for being on this, um, doing this with me. 
Um, I think uh, there's enormous value that I think is being created from the conversations that we're having. And, you know, we hope that um, by understanding these five steps, it's helped bring you a little bit closer to thinking about how you can elevate your leadership. So uh, I've only got 30 seconds left. So thank you, guys. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, delightful. And well Great done, conversations well, here. Great, and well, well done, Steve, uh, on uh, handling this really well. Uh, for more for more information, you can get in touch with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I can also direct you to the guys if you want to. Uh, Steve's also got a website um, as well. Your website, Steve, is it, is it mthdegree? Yeah, it's uh, themthdegree.com, and it's mthdegree, like a uh, uh, marketing or marketing without limits, so mthdegree.com, uh, themthdegree.com. Fantastic. And on next week's show, I've got um, – Isaac Lidsky. Um, Isaac is uh, an amazing man, um, uh, hugely successful from childhood actor to entrepreneur to author to TED speaker. Um, and, and he lost his eyesight. Um, his, his eyesight um, deteriorated from about the age of 19 with a, with a condition. And, and, and even going, going blind, he's, he's, he's become very um, kind of receptive and says he has even more vision now than he's ever had before. And, uh, and he's inspiring many, many people. So he's going to talk about Eyes Wide Open, his book, and also about some of the principles that we can learn from him that have uh, led to enormous levels of success. So, uh, Gene, was there a link or anything to connect you, or do you want to do that through me with the audience? Yeah, you just go gene.early at leadersquest.org is a great place, or you can go to my LinkedIn site. That's great. So uh, any questions, comments, um, come through to any of us. Um, but once again, an absolute pleasure. And thanks again to Steve and to Gene. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 